This is the Wiser Than Yesterday podcast. Your hosts, Sam Harris and Nicholas Farik, digest the most interesting, informative and topical books, giving you their biggest insights. We expose different perspectives and tools to look at the world to make you wiser than yesterday. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Wiser Than Yesterday podcast. I'm Nico, and as usual, I'm joined by my good friend and co-host Sam. And in this episode, we just finished reading the book Burn, The Misunderstood Science of Metabolism. This is a book written by Herman Ponser, and as the title suggests, it talks about metabolism, about food, about energy, about exercise, and it points to the fact that we have been thinking about this stuff completely wrong for a long time. Fundamental point that the book makes is that we've always thought that we burn on average, let's say 2000 calories a day. And if we exercise, we're going to burn more. And if we cut carbs, the amount of calories we take in is less than the amount of calories. We have our base metabolic rate plus the exercise that we do, we lose weight. And so he proves that there's actually not the right way of looking at it. He talks about that. A lot of research with Hadza. Hadza are modern hunter gatherers living in the northern parts of Tanzania. And so they do about 15,000 steps each day. They move about four hours a day. And he has found that they use the same amount of energy each day as your average couch potato in Europe or in North America. And so he makes a case that exercise does not increase our metabolism. And instead, we burn calories within a very narrow range. So about 3,000 calories a day, which is going to be depending on your size, etc. And so our matter of activity level doesn't really matter at all. The main points I found like very surprising because I actually didn't realize that at all and I find it fascinating. So Sam, what did you mm. think of the book? I found that really interesting, but I also found that they still then go, <laughs> they spend half of it like debunking everything and then the other half saying, well, you should still do all the things that there's with the original advice being like, oh, exercise is so important. If you don't do it, you'll probably end up getting fat and all these other things. And you're mm. like, well, <laughs> maybe just like don't bother talking and <laughs> just leave it because it seems a bit silly in that sense. But it was really cool some of the science studies like i'm not sure about some of the things where they spoke about like michael phelps and he's had all these sort of things about his diet needing to have like 12 13 000 calories a day because he was doing so much intense exercise and then they're like mm -hmm. oh maybe that's not true perhaps he was only burning more like six thousand calories a day and well well that's still double what they said is possible for a start and secondly i'm not sure if that was even true because i did two weeks of cycling uh like johnny great's land's end cycle touring and i was burning like four or five thousand calories a day apparently according to strava and i definitely needed to eat mm -hmm. seven thousand calories a day just and i lost weight whilst eating seven thousand calories a day and like i literally would eat like a cherry pie like a family cherry pie just sort of as a snack like and then like by mars bar every hour and that kind of stuff and so yeah i wasn't 100 percent sure about some of those claims but i do think it was pushed in the right direction of the human do sort of like homeostasis kind of trend toward the norm and stuff and you don't necessarily have like the full just because you burn calories doing other things your body will go into a more of like a resting mode and try and burn less the rest of the time certainly interesting on that side and i enjoyed reading the book like the stories the way it was written was was really pleasant and made me um a bit nostalgic for my days in science and reading lots of stuff mm. about people doing ecology and living with tribes and that kind of thing so it was a nice book and there was just like a lot of useful insights and debunking of things and stats on stuff that I was glad I read. So, mm -hmm. yes, 
I still thought it was kind of yeah. good overall. I was just a bit confused of what the message was they wanted to say because they kind of wanted to debunk things and then say that you should still do them. And I found that a bit confusing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think after listening to the book one time through, it was pretty hard to like boil it down to what the main points are. And yeah. this is one of the criticisms I had for the book is that it doesn't really give answers or solutions. Its main point is that exercise doesn't affect how many calories we burn. And so if you're overweight, the only way for you to, in a sustainable way, reduce your weight and lose fat will be to cut your calories. So that's the main point that the book makes. But it feels like there's so much talking around it that it's like it never really... I know. I was waiting for like a conclusion at the end, yeah. which would be like in a few sentences. Okay, uh, this is how you should approach this. But I guess that's our job, right? Let's <laughs> yeah, yeah, there wasn't a take-home message, definitely. Yeah, exactly. So, well, they say that like exercise won't make you lose weight, but you will gain weight if you don't exercise. And so it's very important that you exercise and it's still an essential component of staying Actually, healthy. And I don't think that's, that's true. So They said that a few I, times. Yeah. Okay. I, I I must have I must have missed. <laughs> That's mis the debate was in the book. I wish I'd like highlighted the bit when he said that. Yeah. So as far as uh, I understood, so he says indeed. I so swear he said that a few times. Yeah, it could be um, that maybe I misunderstood it. But like the way I understood it is that exercise will not make you thin, but it will make you healthy. And, and there's yeah, a few yeah, reasons exactly. for that. So w one reason is, and and this brings us to one other fundamental point that I found maybe even more interesting than the fact that we don't burn calories or extra calories by exercising was the fact that we have like some kind of metabolic compensation system inside our bodies, which means that there's like a hypothalamus or something which controls how much energy goes to different processes in your body. And so let's say that you burn 3000 calories a day. For example, me, I'm probably about that. If I decide to go CrossFit training in the morning and I burn 500 calories doing that, that gives my body 2500 calories remain to divide upon other systems. And this brings me back to our book on lifespan. Because in, in lifespan, he says that calorie restriction might be like a very good way to increase your longevity because it slows down processes in your body. And so it makes sure that your cells actually replicate or duplicate slower, which in the end results in you having less chance of cancers and in general, just aging more slowly. And there, I think, is where I could find the parallel between that book, so the book on lifespan, and this book, is that if you reduce your calorie intake or if you exercise, there's going to be fewer calories left for your body to give towards certain processes, and it will actually reduce the rate at which cells divide or replicate themselves, which will, in the end, be good for your longevity. Hmm. Did that make sense? Did you get that as well? Or that makes sense. They, and they, they, yeah. they do talk about that, but then they also talk about that most people when they exercise eat more and they say half it's like the body compensates by changing metabolism but the other side is like oh you, you compensate because if most people just naturally end up eating more and changing their diet mm -hmm. and you kind of like it's really hard to sort of regulate like the amount of calories you eat was sort of usually within 200 calories of what you need every day mm -hmm. and if you send someone on like a 10 kilometer run it will still end up they'll change it and like they'll adjust it higher and it's just if you always end up like 500 calories over every day that's when you start getting fat or if you're always like a lot amount under that's when you start losing weight but if you're sort of within a few hundred calories in either direction of what you need your body will just compensate on that yeah so what i understood was that the issue there is that the types of foods are very relevant in this discussion so i agree so the book makes a case that if you start sporting like doing more sports exercising more you your metabolism will slightly increase 
So not too much, especially in the short term. So in the long term, it's going to go back to like a, a standard level. And so you'll start eating more. Your body will make you more hungry. And so w- one of the problems in our modern society is that there's two reasons why we tend to overeat. And this is one of my three main takeaways from this book. Mm. Um, and so the two reasons we tend to overeat is one, the fact that there's too much variety in what we eat. And so he always goes back to the Hadza. So there's uh, the tribe that he followed in Africa. They have like five staple foods and that's pretty much everything they eat. And there's days where they get like 80% of their calories purely from eating honey and the rest they get from some tubers that they find in the ground. Um, and some other days they just eat a bit of honey and meat and some tubers, etc. So there's not a lot of variety. And so in our brains, we have some kind of system where if you eat too much dessert, let's say, at some point you're not going to really, really be feeling like the dessert anymore and so they're yeah, yeah. your can... sweet receptor in your brain that gives you like pleasure when you eat it is going to be kind of numb i guess yeah yeah i, I definitely we give that example the other way around so like if you've eaten too much pizza or like steak is your main meal you're full then you always have room for dessert is yes. <laughs> one of those people that eats dessert first is that what you do you, you go for your like ice cream first and then no not really but i'm i'm a like not a sweet tooth and i prefer chips so my dessert is chips Oh, wow. <laughs> so if I, um, after dinner and I feel like something, I usually grab like uh, this thing, they're called harvest snaps and they're pea chips Yeah, and they're freaking amazing. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're great. I remember when I first found them, it was like eight to go in America and I was like, oh my God, I can't wait for these to come to Europe. They're great. Cool. But yeah, definitely. I've been, have you ever tried, I did this fruit diet where you, you basically, you have to pick one fruit and you're only allowed to eat that fruit for the day for five days. So like one day you only eat apples one day you only eat like grapefruit or something and okay apple 50 calories i can probably eat like 20 a day or something and after you've eaten three apples in a row you're like that's my meal i can't eat any more and that's 150 yeah. calories and you and, exactly and you're like you don't want to eat anything until lunch when you eat another three apples and you're like yeah fuck that <laughs> no more apple <laughs> it's really interesting we're always able to sell you something else that you would be able to want and that's how like capitalism works in terms of if you can get someone to buy something and make them want it they will so there's always like a snack that actually you probably could handle and these things so and uh, anyway we end up getting fat and getting distracted yep. from the book but it's a tangent of interest i guess because it is just talks about like what is natural for us and things and i quite mm-hmm. liked them because they did that Wait, study can i can i on, end my, my they point got people to exercise for a year oh i thought it was going to be related but yes go for it yeah, I, uh, sorry, no, it's it's about like the two reasons why we still get fat. And, and so the one reason is the diverse, like the diversity of our food. But the second reason is also that's your point about capitalism, where companies have made it so that the foods that they produce, usually the processed foods, are made to be overeaten because they want us to consume as much as we can. And so they make sure that, you know, all types of foods hit like exactly the right receptors in our brains to give us the maximum amount of satisfaction after eating it. And this explains why if I open a bag of chips, it is almost inhuman for me to be able to stop eating it and not finish it. Mm. So uh, if you give me a Doritos, what is it called? Sweet chili. My God, I will eat that whole thing and I won't be able to stop. Yeah, definitely. It's strange. But if you think about how much of the world is obese, it's it's kind of shocking. And mm-hmm. I'm sure... I- Maybe in the, in the future we'll look back as of how absurd it was, but it's kind of crazy, like how many people are sort of really damaging their health and things. Mm-hmm. And we're starting to like look down on smoking already, but just the fact that we allow people sold all these things and buy them and just sort of not look after the health, and yet then just end up needing to end up in these like health crises where they have to like sort out their health. Mm-hmm. Sort of, it's kind of strange and taboo that you don't talk about that. Whereas 
if someone gets like a drug addiction you're like oh you've got to go to rehab and all this mm. kind of stuff but it's much more like a fat fight it's a bit more like you don't sort of have a let's all sit around and tell you that you have to go to fight fighters it's definitely more of a like okay if you felt like it, it's like oh good for you isn't that nice that you want to diet now it's just an odd that it's sort of just like a human need that people want food naturally it's just like it's an addiction that you develop and mm-hmm. like all the, yeah there's lots of strange things in, in the world around psychology of how stuff happens and i'm not quite sure where i want to go with this but it's, it's certainly i kind of ponder it and go like mm, that's something not right yeah because i was thinking about exactly the same thing while i was listening to the last chapters on the book where we make certain types of drugs illegal yeah. to because they're unhealthily addictive and yeah, so heroin like it's illegal because the moment you start trying heroin it just overwhelms your reward center and it makes you super addicted to that thing right mm. okay so I understand why you would, as a society, ban that substance of being consumed by your members because you know if people start trying it, they're going to get unhealthily addicted and it's going to ruin their lives. Okay, heroin, Mm. case closed. It makes sense. I don't think anyone, well, there might be a few people complaining, but I understand why that was banned. Okay, for me, I'm I'm still super surprised why there's still cigarettes being sold. Like, how can it be that something so harmful because it's harmful on a personal level because there's this secondhand smoke passive smoking if you if your parents smoke it's horrible for your health as a kid and then i think there's also when we're talking about smoking a very societal impact and so i think these for me are are interesting discussions to be had like in america you know everyone wants to be free and everyone wants to be able to you know kill themselves by consuming everything they want and running around with guns at some point when food also become part of this discussion i can't remember but i think he raises a point where sugars added sugar and stuff should be taxed more mm. just to reflect like to because in that way you can kind of shape what people will eat by making processed things calorie wise or way cheaper than non-processed things well yeah anyway i haven't figured it out but I, i'm a fan of the idea of taxing unhealthy things but the problem is that the science needs to be very clear because i'm not convinced that red meat is so bad for you for example but i think some people might or even a lot of scientists say it is and so they might want to tax that although people like me might believe that it's actually pretty healthy to eat red meat i don't know that's why i'm, I'm not 100 percent convinced that taxing unhealthy stuff might be a, a good solution for any society yes so the study that was going to say was the one where they watched people for a year and they said they got them to take on an exercise regime of running and they found that it did stimulate people to eat more and they didn't lose so much weight and there's more maintaining but men in the first few months did lose a little bit and then they sort of plateaued whereas women all stayed the same and they do talk about the fact that women in general just do need to have a higher percentage body fat and their body isn't adaptive to change in terms of like when men go to the gym like they put on muscles and like their body shifts much faster than women's which was interesting it's still like women can get super skinny if they bother or like can get fat or even kind of muscly when you read the book sometimes it kind of makes you sound like you can't even change anything about your body when it's like well yeah you can so mm-hmm. i still got confused by what the message is from these things but it was still i thought it was kind of a cool study and i found it a bit insightful at least his point is you shouldn't exercise to lose weight his point is you should exercise so your body has fewer calories to expend on other unhealthy things and so i think that is why the concept of metabolic compensation i found very interesting it's that you know if you exercise your body is going to use calories to fuel whatever you did so we won't have that much calories to expend uh, going to inflammation or, or something like that and so i think quite a lot of us 
have inflammatory issues where like some autoimmune reactions to certain types of substances in our bodies. And I think their exercise could actually be a big help to reduce the amount of energy that is available for your body to attack itself. So yeah, that is, I think, why you should sport, basically, just to make sure that your body um, doesn't do unnecessary things. But it is as long as you don't eat a lot more because I exercise to eat. And I know, and that's wrong. If I don't wrong. exercise, I just don't eat much. Yeah. And yeah, apparently so. So I should just always eat and then not eat extra when I'm exercising. But I just find it very hard because like, if I go to the gym, I'm like, damn, this is hunger monster inside me. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I don't, I'm just, if I sit down all day, I'm, I'm literally not that interested in eating. And if I'm traveling and I'm on trains all day or planes or things, like it's the easiest time to do it fast. I just, mm. yeah, have no need to bother. I did like the point where they they actually go into how many calories you burn doing different activities and i just found that kind of interesting and basically if you're just walking i think it was 50 calories a mile that you burn and if you're running it's 100 calories a mile on average for a average size male that was i can't remember it was in like pounds and i don't remember pounds but as you go faster and increase like the intensity of an exercise like the more calories you burn per mile and then swimming is like the least efficient in terms of per mile because of we're not really built at all to um, swim. So I think it was 300 calories a mile, which I actually thought was a bit low because I feel, thought like swimming a mile actually takes a long time. It's quite strenuous. Whereas the easiest one is cycling, which is 15 calories a mile. And if you want to use cycling as your exercise to be use burning calories, then you want to do a lot more distance on cycling basically was the main take home from that but i just liked seeing the metrics a bit there are you sure that because i understood that if you're walking a a mile in 20 minutes or you do a mile in 15 minutes there's no difference in the calories expended that's what i understood but you're saying something different no so he says if you're going faster you burn more calories per you know distance i mean this is are you sure well it's not quite the same but as in in a car it's the same as you have like air drag and so things, but that's that's different. But I think you are just a bit more efficient as you're going faster, a bit more inefficient even. As far as I understood, I think when you're walking, when you're running, the air drag doesn't influence you because you don't go fast enough. Oh yeah, it's not air drag. It's more intensity. And because obviously when you're running, you're explosive. So you're actually taking off. And so you're just putting more exertion into each meter. They sort of made it sound like if you're walking it still happens a bit but i still think it's within boundaries i mean if you went like super super slow like millimeter step you might actually burn more just because of the amount of time it took. I, don't, I don't know but that's what they said was that the more intensity you do it so if you run a faster pace than the average then you're going to be burning more calories per mile then i think uh, so, yeah i, I, mis- I understood something go. different <laughs> nick disagrees <laughs> this is a really interesting yeah um, I, I really understood something episode different. but you basically just disagree on everything from what we even took home from the book which i think goes into the fact that the book was just very torn and what it wanted to tell you and i think we both took away different things <laughs> yeah exactly we should uh we can look it up i think uh, i don't know exactly where it was but i'm interested to understand now because i might have completely understood it wrong uh, i'm interested to know anyway next point yeah my next point was it does explain the Dunner-Kruger effect on how that's been exemplified. That's probably not the word I'm looking for, but how that's been portrayed with dieting. And basically the Dunning-Kruger effect is that those that know the least shout the loudest. So people who are often like convinced of something but are actually a bit crazy think that they really know something properly and will like 
be very forceful about telling the world that this is the thing and most diets that are a bit extreme are people that don't actually understand science and people that are raving about like why paleo is so good or or like even why vegan diets are so good sometimes they won't necessarily have all the facts and because they don't understand where it might not be wrong like they'll have the biggest voice and so those that sort of try to understand all the facts often find that they can't understand everything or they won't have a singular clear cut sellable like diet so they won't feel that they're worthy of shouting about it so you only hear about these things from the people that are willing to shout and in this book they, they tried to understand everything and then they just couldn't come out with a clear answer to when they think and it's just a bit of a mess <laughs> it's like you couldn't sell someone the diet from this book because of me and nico who have read the entire book and we had like different take-homes from it but they do talk about the fact that like paleo diet is basically a myth like there's such different variety of foods in the population so some were like super carb heavy and like the tribe that they spoke about like most of the half well a lot of the calories come from sugar and those kind of things and others yeah their meat but even if they, they spoke about the icelandic populations which did basically exist entirely on like seal uh, so like meat and fat and no carbs and yet they actually can't go into ketosis because they've actually developed a genetic mutation to stop them from doing that so like trying to go into the ketosis diets to match that is maybe not representative of how the body should be because of it's even been adapted for people that have a diet that actually shifted them in that direction so yeah it was really interesting i thought about the fact that most of these extreme diets in any form are basically just being sold by people that don't understand how dieting works or the body it's also just a nice example of the donna kruger effect next that portrays itself in many other forms besides just dieting mm-hmm. but um was a useful thing to think about in terms of how you just take in news from the world and that you really have a very unrepresentative sample of what's the actual truth because you only see the people that are shouting who are bothering to get their message out and that's mostly not the message mm-hmm. that you need to hear yeah but to summarize his points on diet so i felt like he had like a personal feud against the keto slash paleo crowd because yeah. he was kind of going hard on that and as i used to or and still a bit lean to that side i felt slightly personally attacked but i forgive you herman uh, <laughs> but he was also talking about like raw veganism yeah. where it doesn't really make sense either and he doesn't really have a particular issue with any diet and so his point is the best diet is the one you can stick to and so what he recommends is just try them all and, and if you find one that suits you where you feel good in that makes it easy for you to cut or low calories um, that that's the one you should stick to so the purpose of fat is your body like storing energy away for when it's going to be needed right and so actually he finds that if you have a high metabolism you expend quite a lot of calories each day or more calories than someone with a lower metabolism and so let's say if you go to a week of non-eating you'll need more calories to be able to survive because of your higher metabolism which means that actually people with a higher metabolism tend to gain weight and, and they have more fat because their bodies need more fat as a reserve before when times are tough. Mm. So that's uh, one thing that I would assume that people with slower metabolisms would be fatter, but it is the other way around, which I found pretty interesting. And so more point on that metabolism is not optimized for looking good. It's not even optimized for being healthy. It is shaped by natural selection to optimize for reproduction. And here you can see big differences in different kinds of animals. And so, for example, if you compare a mouse with a sparrow, a mouse and a sparrow have about the same metabolism. But whenever a mouse gets cut in the energy intake, so if they don't get enough food or they lack food for a while, all their energy will be channeled towards their reproductive system. 
And so they will make sure that the reproductive system is still working. But that will also mean that there will be less energy available to go towards their longevity. So maintenance uh, of their body, immune system, etc. And so there you can see that mice typically have a short lifespan, but a, a large number of offspring. And then if you look at the sparrow, which has the same metabolism as a mouse, if they go hungry, their system actually makes sure that they live longer and the less energy goes towards the reproductive system and more energy goes towards protecting your body uh, with inflammation, like, like your immune system. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, it's sort of two side of like short-lived, short-fast. So you basically just put all your energy into reproduction or like long, you have like one or two mm -hmm. units of, uh, well, one or two children and you put like a lot of focused effort and energy into it anyway but also your body then sort of has energy for more like just maintaining and having a slow life and doesn't put lots of actual calorie energy into creating those mm -hmm. uh, well into reproduction in general mm -hmm. and so it's like a slow mode or a short mode which is then goes into the longevity thing as well in the same way of like if you're just trying to sort of be really fast with your life well be fast just try and reproduce as much as possible and then spend yourself versus double down try and exist for as long as possible and don't put so much energy into reproduction on any given day etc yeah exactly so he found that the slower a species burns energy the longer it tends to live and so that again brings us back to the the question like i always thought that having a faster metabolism would be good and healthy and that brings us to the whole lifespan thing is that actually having like a slower met metabolism is actually better for longevity and this brings me back to the whole survive versus thrive state that people or, and I guess animals can be in and I was always convinced that someone that looked super healthy like muscular lean you know strong that they would be healthy on the long run and they would probably survive long but it could very well be that people that are very skinny small with slow metabolisms that they're actually the one that are primed to live long because their whole system is slower one of the insights that I like was he speaks about honey and other sugary carby things that people sort of avoid and they think that honey is like more natural and maybe is a healthy thing but honey is literally just sugar molecules in water and is just as bad for you as high fructose syrup which you have in processed jams and sugary drinks and things it's just sugar it's going to spike your insulin just as much etc whatever it says on the tin of the different types of honey you can get and how natural it is it's tasty and perfectly fine to have and put it in your tea or something but still just as bad and also linked to that is like orange juice is so much worse for you than oranges because um it's already blended for you and it's basically just sugary water going into your system and so it spikes your uh, sugar a lot faster than if you have a physical whole orange where you have all the fiber and everything with it it just slows down the rate of absorption of the sugar and things so just a health point there of mm -hmm. basically eat oranges and avoid orange juice and uh, honey <laughs> yeah Interesting fact I heard, and this is not from the book, but in Hollywood, if an actor has to gain fat, they actually make them drink a lot of um, apple juice. Just apple juice is apparently a great way to, to gain fat very fast. So fun fact. And I'd like to come back to the point I made previous because I, I just saw that I made one more note, uh, which I found counterintuitive and I, I love counterintuitive things. So if I ask you, let's compare Hadza warrior, someone living in, in Africa and hunting all day, to a couch potato from the US. Sam, who of the two has a higher testosterone level? Well, the active Hansa person that goes around walking and hunting and things all day, of course. 
Thank you for going with my <laughs> question that you, after reading the book, hopefully know the answer to. So ironically and, and counterintuitively, the couch potato that has a higher testosterone level. And so uh, he makes the case. And actually, that's something I, I read in a different place as well. And I think we can also deduce that from the book Lifespan is that lower testosterone is actually better. And this, again, brings us to the whole uh, thrive versus survive state. If you have high testosterone, you're thriving. You know, there's abundant energy and everything in your body is focused on reproducing. However, if times are tough, your body puts less energy into producing testosterone, into reproducing, and make sure there's more energy goes towards maintaining maintenance, immune system, etc. And that is actually what makes it that you will live longer. And so more exercise actually reduces your testosterone levels. And this has been found to reduce cases of cancers in reproductive systems. So it's uh, good for your health in the end. And yeah, this is my last <laughs> point on that. And in general, this is my last interesting point that I find in the book. So what about if you're doing sort of weights and that kind of thing? So you're still going to have lower testosterone? That is a question that I missed in this book. Exactly. So he talks mostly about running for long distances, which, yeah. yeah. And it doesn't talk about like high intensity interval training, for example. Mm. That's just like, if, if I would be able to ask him a question, this is my first question that uh, I would ask. My final point is that I found it annoying that the whole book uses the imperial system instead of the metric system. So he's talking about miles and pounds and I don't know what these things mean. So anyway, that, that is one thing I, I didn't like about the book. And also the fact that it doesn't really give many like solutions uh, and conclusions. Like, okay, if you want to lose weight, I would do this, 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 and that. It's more like very general, high level, and you have to make your own conclusions. Mm. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's good to be scientific and ask questions, but it's also sort of annoying when you can't actually give an answer. Mm -hmm. All right, should we do rating? Yes. Go ahead. Okay, <laughs> I am going to give it a five out of 10 because I really liked a lot of it, but I just found it confusing and conflicting and it wasn't a lot of random insights. I found more useful as facts than the sort of the overall message. Like I kind of hard to boil down what is the sort of the fact I'd want to tell people around being like, oh, you shouldn't even bother exercising because it doesn't make a difference versus you really need to exercise because it makes a big difference and seemed a bit conflicted. Although I did like the book of reading it but yes i wouldn't recommend it okay interesting yeah again we have a pretty different view so first of all i've always been interested in this stuff and i've already done quite a lot of research i've experimented quite a lot even you know putting my body into ketosis to see how it would re respond and all that stuff and so i found this a very interesting book actually i think i like the main premise the fact that exercise will not make you lose calories and then the second point where your metabolic balance decides where your energy goes to and, and the stuff where there's a thrive and survive system i found it super interesting and the ties back to the whole lifespan book that we read i, I really really like the book and it is actually a book that i'll recommend to a lot of people i actually planned on telling all my crossfit friends like if you think you can do crossfit and then start drinking beers every day and eat more think again try and read this book and it'll, it'll all become clear anyway so um, i'm going to give it an eight which is again quite a, a difference from you Pretty interesting, but I'm I'm glad we uh, we found a book where we like took different things away and, and where we could have some discussions and questions. Yeah, Although definitely. we'll uh, probably have to spend some time on seeing who's right. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. Uh, cool. So yeah, it's nice for the next book and the final book in this series on the human body. Sam and I will read the book Death by Food Pyramids, 
written by Denise Minger. And so as far as I know, I haven't started yet, but the book talks about different diets and specifically the influence that companies and politics have had on what we believe is healthy, which is also a topic that uh, interests me a lot. So um, thank you for listening and we look forward to the next book and to our next episode. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you like what you heard, feel free to give us a rating and share with your friends. If you'd like to ask us a question or give us a comment, feel free to join us on Reason. Reason is Sam's startup that is building a social podcasting app. It is a place where Sam and I listen to podcasts and share ideas and insights. It'd be great if you would hang out with us there. Thanks again and speak to you in the next episode. Cheers. Cheers.